This episode is brought to you by Baron Fig. Find out more at mofonepodcast.com slash Baron Fig. Hey, this is Gregory Titus, and you're listening to the Master of One Podcast. You can find me at GregoryTitus.com. Welcome to this Sandbox episode of the Master of One Podcast, part two for this week. This week, we talk to the artist and illustrator behind this year's Star Wars celebration, Paul Shipper. I'm Andrew, your Master of Art and Design. I'm Patrick, your Master of Television and Film. And I'm Luke, your Master of Toys and Games. So channel your midichlorians and prepare for another episode. I can't see that. Baron Fig continues their trend of creating quality products by the community and for the community with their new minimal backpack, messenger bag, and tote bag. Adding to their lineup of tools for thinkers, these bags each feature innovative design and the same quality construction you've come to expect from their notebooks and writing tools. The Kickstarter, complete with exclusive items only available through the campaign, is live now, so go pick up yours today. So for this Sandbox episode, we are excited to talk to somebody whose work I'm sure you have seen. He has worked with Marvel, Lucasfilm, HBO, as well as a ton of others. He's owner of Paul Shipper Studio. He is the guy behind all of this year's Star Wars Celebration artwork. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome illustrator Paul Shipper to the show. All right. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> so, so Paul, um, can, before we get started, can you tell everybody where you're from? Oh, I'm from England. I originated in Manchester, in the northwest of England. You originated in England. I, I love that. Okay. Originated, um, yeah. Tell everybody, uh, before we get things started, we like to we actually like to kick things off by um, you giving us a little bit of a Wikipedia page about yourself, a little bit of a backstory, some of your history, what, what got you up to where you're at today. All right. Well, from how early on? From, you know, you it can what, be from conception if you want. Uh, it, it'll just get real dicey. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to go that far. Maybe from like teenage years. Um, I, as a teenager, I, I mean, I'm, as a kid, I draw a lot anyway. And I was encouraged by family and friends a great deal. And um, as I was growing older, I started collecting movie posters, of big, being a fan of the films. And, and I put them on my bedroom wall. And um, I would study them and you know, learn from them. And then one day realized a lot of them were by one person in particular, um, which had a signature of Drew. And um, this was before the internet. So it was hard to find information. So information came in dribs and drabs over the years um, before I ended up at our college um, in like the early 90s. So basically I realized that there was a job and it was, this job was called an illustrator. And in this particular case, the illustrator was creating posters for the movies. And I was just, back then I was probably 14 or 15. I decided that if I wanted to do, if I was going to follow a dream of doing something, that was really what I wanted to do. And it kind of started from there, really. Okay. So um, you said that you, you said you went to art school to do this. Mm -hmm. Okay, so in, in art school, we've had this conversation uh, quite a bit with, with um, lots of the guests that we've had on. What is it about, 
about art school that you think was absolutely essential to what you do now? And then how much of what you do now is just part of just doing it in real world? Honestly, like when well, the UK, um, it was called art college. So after five years or so at school, at high school, then you choose kind of what you want to do in college. And uh, I wanted to do art. So I followed a, a, the art path. And, and for two years, I was at college um, doing A-levels. And then uh, and then once they were over, then it was university for three years. And I found an illustration with animation degree in my hometown, which I decided to take. Um, but honestly speaking, I mean, college was... I think more influential than university for me. I feel like a university, I was, I, cause I already knew exactly what sure. I wanted to do. Yeah. But the tutors at university were very much trying to make me into something I didn't want to be. And yeah. so it was, uh, it was very much a case of a bit of a battle. Like, do I, do I do what they want? Do I do what I want? If I want good grades, like, are they important? Do I need to, succumbed to being almost a, they wanted me to be more of a fine artist than a, than a, than a commercial artist and all I cared about was commercial art and 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 speaking to the the, the masses rather than speaking to um, people who understood uh, you know about art in in a more of a theoretical way I'd rather speak to people that were just looking at it and go that that you know it speaks to me in a way that I like it. That's all I need to know from it. I like it. I understand it. <clears throat> right. It tells me. It tells me information that's important to me. That about, say, for example, a movie. So you're in the cinema and you see the the poster, and you like it. Kind of explains, and you, you, that was the kind of thing I enjoyed the most was being able to um, almost tell a story in one image, and then people understand it. Although that's obviously the bad guy. This there's some kind of tension going on here. There's an action thing. I don't know. That's no, so, absolutely. Yeah, mm. that makes sense. Uh, do you think uh, as far as uh, university um, kind of feeling that opposition to what you wanted to do, do you think that any part of that was healthy and helping you like further define, no, this is for sure what I want to do? Or do you think it was just a, a roadblock almost? It's hard to say in retrospect. In retrospect, I kind of feel like I wasted three years. But then there are things that I did that did happen that that I, I I do look back on, even though it's the challenge of the time. It it's obviously helped make me who I am. Sure. Um, so to take that out, it's almost like it's very difficult to say whether it was the right thing or the wrong thing to do. I think no matter what happens, the course you take, whatever it, whatever direction you end up going, is the hopefully the correct path. But you know, eventually you end up getting there. Um, I think there was an there was an interview with a a client of mine, uh, Fright Rags, and mm-hmm. uh, Ben Scrivens, he, he, he wrote in, or he, he said in the interview that, it, you know, it takes five years to become an overnight success. Yeah. And, uh, and along those five years, people don't see, you know, the hardships or, you know, the knockbacks or the, you know, you questioning of yourself and all the rest of it. And then all of a sudden, to the, a lot of the outsiders, you're like, oh, where did this guy come from? He's just come from nowhere. But no, you know, you've come from somewhere. Yeah. You've come from all this stuff that you, you've you learned or, you know, the mistakes you've made along the way that you're learning from. And so sure. I, th- I think no matter what, you, can, 
you know, whatever you end up doing, eventually uh, you'll get where you want to go. If it's, I believe, if you really want it and it's in your heart and it feels right and you get all the right vibes from whatever it is you're doing, if you continue to pursue that, eventually it might take 20 years, 30 years, I don't know, but eventually you'll get there. You just got to keep that alive as much as you can. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, working other jobs or whatever it is, but just always have it. Yeah. Um, so you you mentioned that you you love the I don't know if you consider it a challenge or or what, but you love to be able to kind of tell an entire story in, in basically a, a single panel. You love to be able to set it all up in, in one piece, which is what attracted you to um, I guess movie posters. That's something that's very exciting for you. So um, first, let me ask you. I, I, are you a huge like movie buff? Are you in the theater like every other day watching another film? I wish I was in the cinema every other day, but I don't have time for that. Uh, so I, <laughs> oh. I get to, I get I get to see um, a lot of the the bigger movies when they come out. When I I make time for them, and, and I watch a lot of movies at home when it you know it could be in the middle of the night or whenever it is. Um, so I, I I keep on top of things. I wouldn't say I was like the biggest geek but film just does something you know to me emotionally that sure um, is very addictive and i love it and the stories and you know just you know the other the places that you'll have never been before and the visuals and you know, yeah, everything it's very about, real. you know the music i mean if i i'll be honest if i wasn't an illustrator i would have loved to have become a film composer that was that would have been yeah. the next Oh man, for me. Cool. So, yeah. t- talk to us a little bit about. You said you know, there's like that five years where you're just grinding and working, and then all of a sudden you're <clears> like <throat> here, and you've you know made it, and people mm. are like, "Where have you come from?" Talk to us <laughs> about that like period of time and what kept you going to get where you all are right. now. Like, well, okay, um, it was it was more than five years for me. Sure. Well, I say that. The five-year period started when I decided to drop everything else I was doing and just concentrate on illustration. That gotcha. was pretty oh, much okay. pretty much five years ago. Okay. And um, before that, I was doing other things. Uh, I was living in New Zealand. I was doing uh, professional photography, design, even websites, and 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 doing the illustration on the side. Okay. And the illustration was always on the side, even though it was the main thing I was passionate about. Because I was listening to other people too much, mm. you know, um, whoever whoever it was, you know, there was, it could be family or friends or your partner or whoever, you know. And so previous to that, I was doing um, photography design. And then 10 years, for a whole 10 years before that, I was actually working in the family business, which was a lighting company in okay. Manchester. Okay. And I did, uh, I was he- head of the creative side of things so sure. like lighting for landscaping or i'm <laughs> no like uh domestic lighting so lamps that you get in your house or light fittings on the ceiling okay um all that kind of stuff Bed i wanted a clear lamps. picture of were what you, you were doing Perfect. did you guys so well i mean were you like lighting <laughs> designers were you designing like lighting for a, a new property or something like houses yeah. way more expensive than the ones we all live in. Sure. Right. <laughs> oh no, no, it was it was for the it was you know honestly it was for the middle middle to low end of the market so it was like quite mass produced stuff mm. um, that would be in a lot of the big multinational uh, stores around the United Kingdom. Um, but you know, like from product design, like 
designs on a on a shade or right. um, whether it's a kid's lamp or whatever or um, to like the promotional side of things, um, the catalogs, including the photography. And um, when I started illustrating, it was, I mean, it's my dad's company. And I, the first job he gave me um, art-wise was uh, to hand illustrate his entire, entire catalog was hand-drawn. Wow. <clears throat> before, it was before they could really afford the camera and the, all the gear. It was like, sure. so they decided to just hand-draw hand it. It was all photocopied and it was like when the company was kind of just starting out. So wow. from that to where it actually went was quite a big, massive leap over 10 years. Um, but it actually took me, it, I, while I was doing that job, I was, I, I'd set up a, um, a drawing board and art studio in the office mm -hmm. where I worked. So when I'd finished work at five o'clock in the evening, I'd uh, stay there sometimes till two o'clock in the morning, um, painting and drawing and, doing whatever it was whatever i want to do um and just just hone, honing my kind of style or craft i guess so can you take us then from from doing all that stuff you said it was about five years after you decided to make this like you kind of cut everything else out and started solely dedicating your time to this um yeah. Take us to that end of year five. All right. So this is like the beginning of like your, you know, what you would say you've, you've turned the corner, you've quote unquote made it. You are officially <coughs> doing stuff now for major things. What is that project that was your turning point? And, and then where have you come from there? Because like we said at the beginning of the show, and we'll talk about this more in depth here in a minute, but You've, your work has become a lot more um, prevalent and a lot more visible um, in, in years past uh, and uh, kind of culminating, or at least in my mind, culminating with this massive uh, Star Wars celebration piece. But, um, mm. but talk, talk to us about piece one at the end of, at the end of year five. Wow. I don't, you know, I don't think I could pin it down to that because it wasn't really, it's not really me who's saying I've made it. You sure, know, sure, 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 sure. I don't feel like I don't feel like I'm where I could be, or you know, I don't feel that. But you know, some people. I mean, I had the great privilege of going over to Florida to Orlando to the Star Wars celebration for four days, and the feedback from the fans was like unlike. I mean, as an artist, you're alone in your studio. You rarely get any. I mean, online, you know, you get comments and things, but seeing people in person and telling that they're telling you what they think. Um, would, I mean, well, you, so you were so doing, nice. you were doing lampshades and you were doing, <laughs> you know, you were doing that kind of stuff. Then at some <laughs> point you started working with, with movie studios. Maybe just talk about that transition. How about okay. that? We'll kind of piece right. it down into that. Do you miss bit. lampshades? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are you, are you wishing you had never Honestly. taken that? <laughs> no, I, I, I'll be honest with you. I, I don't really miss it. I mean, <laughs> the, the the dream I had when I was a, a, a young teenager is what's kind of is always been the fire and the backbone behind the, the whole thing. Sure. But um, I think that I mean, if you go if I go back five years, um, I was still in New Zealand, and um, it was it was pretty much the turning point. May have been the start of things was um, deciding to stop doing everything else and just one day I just. 
I got so tired of doing all these stuff. It just wasn't fulfilling me. Everything else I was doing just wasn't, I just, just there was no, I felt empty. But then I was painting, and at this time I was still, uh, I don't do as much real painting anymore. It's mostly digital painting, but I was painting a canvas, uh, canvas there on an illustration board. Uh, uh, there was a few pieces I was doing, and it just, at the end of finishing them, it was just a completely different feeling to everything else I was doing, even though other stuff was creative and fun, you know, and fairly rewarding, but just nothing else. It, everything else paled in comparison, so it kind of that's what told me it was like a, a kind of um, uh, what's the word like a, a light bulb just went off in a piffy, and, just like a lamp. Epiphany, yes, sir. I was yeah, thinking I'll... of, I was thinking of hook. Like, is, does he say epiphany and hook, or is it? Um, it's that, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the it, that's, you just picked the word from my brain. Well done. <laughs> um, that's what that's what they know me as over here in the states. <laughs> Nope. <laughs> <laughs> what well, you're you're an epiphany. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds right. Yeah. Well, I mean, that was pretty much it. It's just a case of I, I got an enormous feeling inside me that was telling me, you know, you need to drop everything else. And you know what? It was at that time. It was probably the worst time to do it. I, had, I, me and my uh, wife at the time had two mortgages. Uh, in New Zealand, we were trying to sell one house. Um, she was pregnant. Um, it was just like the worst time to decide to drop the bread and butter stuff and just concentrate on what I wanted to do. But it just, I couldn't help it. And, you know, ultimately didn't help my marriage at all. Probably, probably you know, added to this distress that, that you know, I wasn't going out and getting a regular job. I, I just, I was focusing on what I really wanted to do. And it was, trying to promote myself online in a more of a direct, more powerful way <clears throat> and and do little jobs, uh, which, and some jobs that were just for fun, just for me and just for self-promotion um, through, through websites like um, uh, Planet Pulp and sure. at the time like the Poster Posse, which I, I was part of for a little while. Um, and one, one of the turning point of pieces was um, for uh, when it was just before um, the second Star Trek, J.J. Abrams Star Trek came out and they were doing yep. an online promotion like to, to, to for like fan art, I guess. And I just I'd always wanted to do something for the, the first J.J. Abrams movie because I just I didn't really like that campaign when it came out I just felt like they really missed an opportunity to do something mm-hmm. special so I kind of took it upon myself to you know I dedicated a couple of weeks um of time on, on weekends and just um bashed something out and and uh it went it kind of went a little bit viral and then Simon Pegg got hold of it and mm-hmm. retweeted it when he was still on Twitter and <clears throat> you know, my phone had never made so much noise before. It's like, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> <laughs> Your phone and, battery um, dies from notifications. Yeah, too many notifications. So, you know, from there, I get a call from IDW, which is a comic book company in, mm-hmm. in San Diego, uh, yep. to do the official Star Trek uh, comic, saying, you know, are you interested? Would you be interested in, we saw you work online, would you be interested in doing some cover art for our comic book? And so, we, yeah, I said, yeah, of course. So, you know, actually, Star Trek that piece, down. <laughs> the Star Trek piece wasn't commissioned. Like, you, that was just something you did in your spare time. Yeah. 
And then that turned into, and then that became Simon Pegg tweeting it, and then it became working, doing a cover for IDW. Yeah, and then it became J.J. Uh, Abrams seeing them, mm-hmm. and his uh, assistant getting in touch with me wanting to buy the originals, which was like, well, I they don't exist because they're digital, but I can repaint them. I can, I, you know, I can paint if you want me to do it a real painting. And by that point, it, it didn't happen, but. If they were real paintings, he would have probably snapped them up. Wow, which wow. is a shame. But um, but you, here's what you regard, regardless of, regardless of that, I did get I, I did get a nice note from JJ, which is right here. I keep it on oh, my desk. Oh wow! Wait, I can't read it. JJ doesn't have great handwriting. Like, <laughs> thanks so much for the awesome Star Trek poster. Your work is most excellent. All the best. That's great. That's that's rad. Just awesome. It's got it's got yeah, the cool. it's got the from the desk of JJ Abrams on the top and everything. Man, that's cool. So that was that, that was a, really nice. That's a special little thing there. In the future, um, next time JJ just hits you up and says, "Hey, can I have the original?" Don't tell you him you say, don't have one. Just paint say, the original. You say yes. <laughs> See, I'm learning all the time, all the time. (laughs) So, okay, so let's let's take a step, uh, uh, take a step in into your actual work here. So we've talked a bit about you and what you've done, and and kind of the transition of of your you know your professional career. We haven't talked a lot about your work. So for those uh, of you who are out there listening and and aren't familiar with Paul's um, work, at least at first glance or or listening, um, your work is very. Uh, it, it lives in the world of like hyper realism, right? I mean, so like it's it's incredibly <laughs> realistic. It's a, he, he shrugs his shoulders. I don't know, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You tell me what it is. Um, but it's it's. Inc- I mean, the likenesses are dead on. Um, but it's incredibly incredibly realistic. But in a sense, um, you. I don't, I don't know the right word for it. It's not collage because that's not that's not a good word. What would you call your your composition where you're kind of layering the characters. It's kind of, it's kind of like a montage in a way sure. um, okay. that, that can has a, some, as, as, as some kind of um, hierarchy, I guess. Sure. Uh, and I mean, all of it, a lot of the stuff I do stems from the move, the movie posters I loved growing up with a lot of right. the Drew Struzan artwork and the Richard Amsels and the Bob Peak and exactly. You know, and that, that's why I love, and that's why I'm trying to keep alive in some way. Um, well, they absolutely do that. They absolutely pull in the well, lifeblood of those like quintessential Hollywood films, like back in the day, where mm. the hierarchy makes a lot of sense now. Like you, your eye gets drawn to a particular place first, then yeah. you have kind of secondary and tertiary characters, um, you know, respectively yeah. on the piece. Um, and, and your work is masterfully executed it's it's insane like i'm oh, you're I, very kind well, no, say, I'm, good. well yeah no it's it's super good i'm curious uh, this is just so i'm the guy that that is not the art guy so that's it'll become more apparent don't he actually worry. hates art he burns yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> um yeah i'm throwing all this behind me away that's uh, actually cued for the trash dump um I, i'm curious if when you're actually uh setting out to do um you know, the, the, the composition on one of these pieces, uh, are you kind of digitally illustrating each one of the characters, uh, kind of in a pose that you like, and then you're, then you're actually doing the layout or you've already on the layout and you're kind of only illustrating the pieces you need. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I, I, over the years, um, since I started working digitally, I mean, even when I, before I was working digitally, I'd use Photoshop to create my, uh, 
layouts and designs. So um, when I was working on traditionally, I would do everything in Photoshop. I'd get all my reference, whether I had to scan it or photograph it or whatever it was, and I'd piece it together in Photoshop and then print it out as almost a six by four um, print. And then I would, I had a, uh, um, which I've still got a projector, um, which is the same kind of thing that Drew Struzan uses. And it projects the image onto the artboard so you can trace the (laughs) outlines so you can get you know the 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 basic composition down um in in, and so it reads well and everything's in proportion um a lot quicker than it would be to draft it out from from scratch um which is you know we all i mean i went to art college and university i can draw i can paint i can Mm -hmm. do everything um but when it comes down to um you know trying to hit the professional deadlines you know, to spend so long rendering something out, um, just it's counterintuitive and counterproductive. Sure. Um, sure. So, and and also when I found out that's what Drew did, I was, that's when I started experimenting with this technology. Um, so you almost needed that, a little bit of permission to do it. No, not really. It's just the fact that before that, I didn't know he projected things. So I just, I was just doing everything. I was doing everything I was doing was um, by eye only. Um, I, you know, I didn't have any, um, uh, projection image available to me. I didn't even know about projectors for that kind of thing. And then when I got one, I was like, oh, okay. It makes more sense now. Kind of, you know, the speed in, in which you can get the underdrawing done. And then once that's in place, you can then <clears throat> get into the nitty gritty with, with this, you know, the paint splatter and the pencil, um, um, flourishes and it sounds very similar to me as a developer using like a boilerplate to get started or something like that like i could write all those things by scratch but it would just take a few hours to do and that's time mm. away from actually working on the custom bits yeah and to be honest i mean I, I usually spend a lot of time on the compositions anyway that so they are as original as can be and they are unique and and so the um in some ways, the finishing of it is almost is almost secondary because the the groundwork of the composition is what's telling the story, sure. and the the design work afterwards and the the you know the making it look pretty part um, is more the aesthetic, which is imp- also very important to me that I want to keep that traditional aesthetic, but it's secondary to the telling of the story in a way. Sure, sure. So. I know. I mean, you probably get this a lot, um, but. For those who are listening, who who see this style, wanna want to try to, um, I don't know that like try to achieve it. I don't know if that's the right way of saying it. But people who want to develop this style, um, and, and you're saying you're doing a lot of this stuff digitally uh, these days. Are you using specific custom brush sets? Are you buying um, brush sets from people? Like what's what's your what's your tool set? Um, for for create like, are you creating it in Photoshop? Like like, what is your general <coughs> tool set? I, I mean, I was, I was, from the beginning, like around 1999 to the year 2000, I went out and bought a, a copy of Painter, Coral Painter. Uh-huh. Okay. And that was that was why I did most of the illustrating. And then, and the only reason I really got it was, for one thing, I wanted to try it out. But the other thing was, a job came in from Penguin Books uh, that back then, and they were like, can you work digitally? And, and I said, yes, even though I couldn't really. So uh, <laughs> that's I, the right answer. That a boy. I, I did it right. I did it right back then. I don't know what happened. I think that, you know, JJ Abrams, I'm like, uh, like, uh, uh, uh. <clears throat> yeah. 
so I said yes, and I, I quickly kind of took about a couple of weeks to try and emulate the illustration style that I used traditionally in the in the computer using the tools that were built into uh, Painter, and it kind of it pulled it off to the point where the client was really happy, and that's what they wanted to see. So okay. that was that was a great learning curve, um, a very steep learning curve that I, sure. I managed to achieve. Um, but I know I've been through all sorts of different. Um, pieces of uh, software over the years um but what what's happened is um i stumbled on brushes made by um uh, kyle webster mm-hmm. oh yeah you probably, you probably heard of him yep. and um a f- quite a few years ago um because i i, I used to use i used photoshop for all my layouts but the brushes i was always like oh these brushes man these are like what these ones that come with the they're just useless they just don't do what i want them to do so i never drew anything or painted anything um, unless it was the airbrush tool or the you know just solid color or fill or whatever um but then when i saw these brushes which is you know real media um brushes and the, the just the stuff that i that I saw and, and what it did and looking at his little videos and I was like, I have to try these. And they were so inexpensive. It was a no brainer. I was like, well, I'll just buy everything. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so I have done and I continued to buy his brushes um, and he updates them all the time. And they've been really great. And I'm, a, I'm, I'm a real, you know, I'll, I, I shout out about his uh, brushes a lot because it did make a big difference to my workflow and uh, in just doing everything under, you know, under Photoshop really pretty yeah. much now. Um, so yeah, I mean, I have a favorite, uh, pencil of his that I use, which is the animator pencil. Um, his splatter brushes are great and varied and create, you know, fun. Yeah. And one of the things I used to love when I was painting traditionally was the, the unknown. You don't quite know how it's going to look. Um, you don't, you know, so this splattering paint down and hoping for the best sometimes. Sure. Well, the nice thing about Photoshop is you can undo it. Yeah, that's yeah, right. That's a, that is the, the most beautiful part about it. Yeah. We've talked to enough guests now on the show who, who have mentioned Kyle Webster. I think it's probably about time we send him an invite yeah. <laughs> because he's gotten he's gotten a handful of mentions on the show before. So um, real quick, before we move into our finals, because we've spent all this time talking oh. and we've, we've alluded to it, but... Um, let's talk about Star Wars Celebration, all right? So <laughs> yeah. you're, you, you said before we started that you uh, your voice is gone a little bit. You've just gotten mm-hmm. back from a whirlwind adventure um, going all over the U.S. and, and then coming back. A part of that trip was you being at Star Wars Celebration, like you said earlier. Um, mm-hmm. What was that like when you got the call about about doing the artwork for Star Wars Celebration? And, th- and then just maybe briefly walk us through that project and then uh, – then maybe just the feeling of going to the celebration and seeing sure. it everywhere. So maybe take us from point right. A to point Z. Okay. Um, I got the call from Lucasfilm directly uh, in November last year. And uh, would I like to, would I be interested in doing the key art for Star Wars Celebration 2017 in Orlando? And I was like, <gasps> let me think about it. Yes. Um, <laughs> I don't so, have an original. Uh, Sorry, JJ. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, they, they, yeah. So they, it's been, it was great. I mean, um, it was, it was 18 um, uh, badge, individual badge arts of portraits of characters. So there's 18 separate character portraits. 
Then there was the key art in the vertical, and they wanted a key art in a horizontal, and they wanted it in layers, which is like, yeah, okay, no problem. Um, because they may need to move things around for social media and all this kind of stuff. Um, and I was like, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I don't do that for every project, but especially for something like this, I was like, I, I can't really say no to that. It's kind of, um, you know, I want it to be the best it can be. Sure. <clears throat> so, um, got all the, I mean, it took a while to nail the style. They had an idea of the style that they wanted, which is a bit un unlike what I normally do, to be honest, very much. Um, I mean, the sketchy side of it, yes, but just the, the way they described it to me was very much monotone and uh, completely rendered in the most in in part but then very very almost like draft draft sketchy sure yeah I see like that. you know um yeah. on the way out which generally i don't leave a lot of that going on and um i usually work in full color these days and 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 so they had a kind of a picture of what they wanted already so that was you know that was their idea and then they wanted to uh focus on the same kind of style for the uh, final poster um which i originally we were talking of doing it in color and i did do it in color i have shared it on my social media so people can see mm -hmm. it um but the the one that um the like kathy kennedy uh, was ultimately decided on was the monotone for the to match the badges so it's very much sure. like it's almost a sepia which i thought was a, you know it's a great move because you know it's it's 40th anniversary of star wars and it showed, um, you know, almost like a, a vulnerability in the sketchiness. It wasn't so polished like everything is these days. It had like a, a an earthy kind of um, nostalgic feel to it. Yeah, back, yeah. Like going back to the beginning almost of like That's the exactly, designing of some of the characters. Yeah. And you got so, all of your badges. Do they? Do you just as samples get them all, or was it just since you designed them, you got one of each? Or I, I don't have everything yet. I. I got, one, oh, I got I, one. No, I haven't got them. I, for some reason, I thought I saw you post them all. I, I had got the R2-D2 badge, and uh, they look beautiful. It's so awesome getting to hold it. I, I, I'm curious how many of the things you design you get to kind of hold in that format. Well, in, in my contract, I, I should get three of everything at least. Oh, cool. In my contract. Right. Sorry, right. I'm on it. <laughs> but the, you know, clients, they don't adhere to that all the time. But you know, I'm I'm hopeful that they're gonna send me a, maybe a couple of sets or something. That'd be nice to kind sure. of keep in the archives, uh, along yeah. with some of the merchandise they did, which like which surprised me when I got there. There was there was like a huge rug with the key art on it, like a you know like a big tapestry, uh, tapestry type thing. Yeah. There was um, jigsaw puzzles, magnets, um, a whole multitude of T-shirts of different characters on them, uh, the souvenir book had the artwork on the front cover and it was also embossed which i was not expecting wow um yeah just i mean they just run with it and they just they used it on a lot of things so every bit of money crazy. they paid you you spent buying back all this stuff yeah exactly <laughs> it's actually a smart business move they're like well, how about you we can get the artist to buy all of this stuff back from us <laughs> all right they, they they were they were they didn't give me a few t-shirts and uh <laughs> that was like, nice I only had so much room in my bag anyway, so... Um, so, but so what, was your, 
what was your um what was your uh the, my reaction your, mo- yeah what was your reaction walking in seeing that it was everywhere you've talked about the fans reaction and what that did to you um mm-hmm. did you talk to maybe any of the stars of the of the films and and hear anything from them like what was your what was the experience like for you well the, the i also did at the very last minute after the everything was signed off they were trying to do some banners then they needed three banners the outside of the exhibition center mm-hmm. and they couldn't get the layout to work and it's like you know you work at lucasfilm like the, the guy who invented photoshop works there what's the problem <laughs> <laughs> um but I didn't, say, I didn't say i didn't say that but i yeah, i did think it um and i said yeah no no it's no problem i can I'd, you know it gave me creative control of that as well a little bit and so i i got to design the three banners and the layout and because I've done everything in layers it was fairly straightforward um but the first when I first arrived at the convention center the, like a day or day or so before the the show started um there was nothing outside yet and so I was like I didn't know my way around uh, where where anything was going to be so I just did a little wrecking around I still didn't see anything it wasn't until the preview day uh I think I was wandering around and uh, I was inside and I was walking towards this, the main entrance, which is where the banners were. And I saw the corner of a banner from inside. And it, I tell you, even just seeing it from there, it was massive. There's like 30 foot drop banners, or I think mm-hmm. 30 wow. or 40 foot drop banners. And there's three of them. They're pretty massive. And seeing it, I think, you know, I, I've done billboards for Sunset Boulevard before, but I'd never seen him in person. And so when, when I saw it in person, it was like, it was seriously like an out of body experience. Yeah. It was like, it was really, it kind of like, it shocked me how it made me feel in a way. Cause I knew I'd be excited to sure. see them, but it was, it was quite a different experience. And then I went outside and they were just finishing putting the last one up and um, with, um, with a big like crane uh, or cherry picker type thing. <clears throat> and um, there was people like outside taking pictures of of them and having their picture taken with them. And I was on my own, and I, there was these people taking a picture <clears throat> of the banners with their friends. And I just said, "I'll you know, I'll take it for you if you like, because you know, otherwise one of them won't be in it." Mm-hmm. And uh, so I took the picture, and then I said, "Do you mind if I you could take one of me?" And they were like, "Oh yeah, sure." And um, I can't remember exactly when I said it, but I did say that I was responsible for that, and they just flipped out a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, somebody else flipped out. That you posted a picture, um, or they posted a picture of themselves with you pointing at their shirt, and they were like, "I've just walked in the doors and met the artist who did the shirt. This is a great start to a great weekend." And then you reposted it. As I mean, that's that when an artist gets excited with the fans, that is Mm. honestly the best. Yeah, she so, was walking right. through the lobby at the time, and I saw that it was just the first time I'd seen the shirt, anyone wearing one. And um, so I just said, do you mind if I take a picture of your shirt? It's the first one I've seen. And then and I let it slip that I did the artwork, and she kind of flipped out. There. That would have really, been good. real awkward if it was like a bootleg shirt. Like, I've not seen that shirt. And they're like, oh, yeah, I made it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Can, so here's what we can do. Unfortunately, <laughs> we, are, we're, we just need to stay tight on time. So... Um, we're going to shift to our final questions, but we definitely want to make sure that, uh, we keep this thing going. So, um, I'm, let me just ask you, so I'll take my final question now. 
you're wearing a, a, a club 33 hat on your head. Um, <laughs> I know that you've just kind of done a whirlwind tour of the U S uh, while you were here. Talk to us about your club 33 experience. Um, I was with a group of friends, including some very cool people and an imagineer friend of mine uh, called Josh Shipley and Janina, who is a new friend from that I met celebration. Who's the star of battlefront two. Nice. Um, Jen Morrow, who is a writer for Forces of Destiny uh, animation that's coming out uh, this year. And, and just incredible people, creative, great people, including George Lucas's son, Jet. So nice. it's just like, you know, and it was like pinching yourself all the time. Anyway, <laughs> um, Josh arranged for us to be at the park on Star Wars Day in Disneyland in Los Angeles, or in California. And I, uh, so uh, it was a great experience straight away without even anything else on top. But he'd he got um, Tony Baxter to get us into Club Thirty Three, and Tony Baxter, I'm sure you may have heard of, is uh, responsible for many of the rides in the park. He's a, mm-hmm. a legend Imagineer at yeah. Disney, and he ended up spending about ten or eleven hours with us all afternoon, going around all the rides in the park, and we. It was just the most amazing and incredible day. Wow. That's the only way to describe it. That's uh, that's pretty awesome, man. That's a pretty good day. <laughs> yeah. It was that's a good a, day. Did you get one of the keys? Did you get a key or just did you get a hat? I got a hat because um, okay. I needed it. I needed a hat and I like I like collecting hats. Cool. I got that's a, a good pin. one to have. I got a pin. Uh, I actually took my daughter there last year. I was lucky enough that someone invited me. Said, would you like a reservation? And I, I was with there with my daughter, and I took her there for a nice lunch. And she bought me a pin, which is uh, that uh, I, I have on my bag. I started collecting pins on on a satchel of mine. So cool. perfect. But this was this was a this is a completely different experience than it was with my daughter. The daughter, the experience with my daughter Millie was incredible, and this was you know incredible too. It was just what, a different kind of incredible. Dreams come true, man. That's right. Yeah, man. <laughs> Best meal you've ever had. Uh, I I got the burger, which was nice. Um, it was it was we were in the lounge area, so it wasn't like a, a five course, six course meal that you would normally have. Um, but the, yeah, the meal I had with my daughter was it was yeah the best meal I've ever had. So I'll uh, I'll, I'll jump in. And, I know we're we're hoping to have ours soon. I'll jump in and uh, and take it. So first, before I ask uh, a question, you said you collect hats. Do you have a favorite hat? Before moment, you ask a question, question, I'm going to ask a question. question. I understand that's a question, but you caused this question. I mean, I had a different one, so. No, the favorite hat I had before before this one really was um, one I got at Lucasfilm. I got a guided tour around Lucasfilm. I went to the store there and got this nice sort of off-yellow color hat with the Lucasfilm logo on it. I wear that one a lot. Nice. Awesome. Okay, so I'm actually going to ask a question on behalf of one of our patrons. So this comes from Mr. I Am Rita Kiss. This came in through the patron Slack channel. And uh, he he he's curious um, with the aesthetic that you have, and uh, in light of someone like Drew Struzan, um, did that make it more difficult for you to establish your aesthetic? As far as like I guess feeling feeling like uh, a copycat. Yes, I mean <clears throat> I'm trying to say this in the most respectful way possible. Yeah, no, no, for I, lack I totally of agree. for lack of eloquence, yeah. Was was that like uh, did that get in your way at all when it came to establishing your aesthetic? Um, 
No. Awesome. Not really. Cool. I, I think, you know, in, in a simple way, um, I, I feel like um, it's a style that I love and a style that I can, I, I feel I can, I can, you know, I can still have my own spin on it. I don't feel like I'm a complete ripoff of Drew's work. I respect that man with the most enormous respect. Mm-hmm. And he's been instrumental in my decisions to do this. Um, he was a teacher to me before we even met. We, we, I was lucky enough to meet him for the first time um, when I graduated from university in 1997. And so since then, <clears throat> we have kept in touch over the years and, um, you know, even before before we met, I would I, I when I was a sixteen year old, I faxed him. Uh, I got his number and I, I faxed a letter to him, you know, asking him, "How can I be a movie posterized like you?" And uh, he replied to me that very same day. Wow! With with uh, you know, it was quite a realistic reply in some ways. You know, talking about how he was potentially the last of the great movie poster artists and the computer is taking a lot of the work away and you know it's kind of like downtrodden mm. and depressing at the same time as being absolutely incredibly amazing um but one piece of advice they gave him there was a quote from scripture and i'll and i share this with as many people as you can and it was um if the door does not open to you keep knocking and um, very much until it does so uh it, that's something that you know, no matter what happens, if I don't, if I don't succeed, I'll just keep trying, trying again until eventually, uh, you know, if, if, if my heart's telling me that that's where I should be and, it, and I feel complete when I'm doing it, then I should keep doing it and never give up. Sure. Absolutely. Solid advice. Um, so yeah, my final question is, uh, kind of what your experience has been with like likeness. So we've talked to a couple people that, you know, whenever they're, uh, working off of uh an actor's likeness there's there's certain things that have to you know be met or things that you have to get a uh, sign off on how does that work for you because you've you've dealt with a lot of really big people now as far as getting that and it seems like like andrew said earlier your stuff is is very uh you know realistic um how has that been for you just that whole part of the game to me, it's it's part it's part and parcel of the job, and I I, it, I don't it doesn't phase me, mm-hmm. um, and that that's probably helpful because, you know, essentially you know you, you you're doing it for the client, and you know you happen to enjoy doing it, so it's it's very much a case of um, I'll I'll you know if changes need to be made, and as long as they're not ridiculous, like. I'm not going to like spit my dummy out and say, how dare you, you know, criticize my sure. work. And uh, I'm going to say, absolutely. We have to get this right. And if it's not right. And if the, you know, if the actor is, is, is has a final sign off and they're not happy, then, you know, I'm not happy if that's, right. if that's the case either. Sure. So, um, I mean, there's been things along the way, but very rare, which is nice. Um, I mean, one thing um, it was back in the IDW covers was, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, who was didn't have a problem with anything I was doing apart from there was he, his head was twisted a certain way and he had some lines showing on his neck and it, whether it was him or his people decided they didn't want to show these lines, which is just the lines from him turning his neck. Right, sure. kind of the natural it, folds of the neck. 
yeah, it wasn't it wasn't like his oh make his nose smaller or right. get rid of those pimples or whatever. It was nothing like that. It was just a, that's been pretty much you know that's been pretty much it. Cool. Uh, and that's and, pretty. I mean, that's good. I mean, we've not. That's not always the story that we've heard from people. We've heard that there's been some difficult uh, actors to work with. So it's been uh, particular. Yeah. And it we help, you know, we're, I'm not, I'm not fishing for those people. Like I, I'm not trying to find that out. I'm just want to know what your experience yeah. has been with likeness. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, I it enjoy, I enjoy like, getting likenesses. Right. And a yeah. lot of the times you have a, you have a visual image of what the actor is like. So even if you're not looking at reference and you have like <clears throat> the information, you know, the, the layout of the face and the, you kind of you're using the impregnated information from your brain, from the reference materials you've been looking at, or from films they've been in before, and and how they are as a person and their emotions, and you know even how they hold themselves or whatever it is to try and to try and then because one false move on a on a on a portrait can can throw it. Sure. Yeah. And absolutely. So, and I and I've been there before, and I and what I do is I spend a lot of time away from things. So I'll, I'll work on it for a few hours and then step away and then come back to it and I'll see like, ah, oh, you know, that's not working or this is wrong. This eye doesn't look right. There's too much shadow or there's not enough shadow or whatever it might be. There's always something and you're constantly nitpicking away at it. So tell everybody um, where they can find you, they can find your work, anything that's coming up, they're coming out that, that we need to know about um, and how they can support what you do. Well, uh, I have a website which you can go to paulshipper.com or paulshipperstudio.com. Um, I am on pretty much every social media kind of thing available, which if you're an upcoming artist, by golly, you need to be on social media. It's, the, it's free advertising. You have control. You can push things to the right places. So my, uh, my Twitter is at paulshipper. My Instagram is at paulshipper. And my Facebook is forward slash Paul Shipper Studio. And uh, if you're wondering how to spell my name, it is P-A-U-L-S-H-I-P-P-E-R. Just like you would think that it would be spelled. Um, <laughs> well, thank you so much for taking a few minutes to chat with us. Before we move on, <laughs> what are you laughing at? Yeah, you only sounded like a bit of an a-hole, Andrew. Oh, no. Only like a small amount. <laughs> I wasn't intending to. I was just saying it's real, like, whatever. I didn't intend for it to. Yeah. It's phonetic, exactly. That's what I was trying to say. Oh, yeah, no, I, I, I didn't hear anything you just said. Fine. <laughs> that's okay. P that's perfect. I think we're. It's uh, usually better. If you just don't hear yeah. what Patrick says, you'll be fine. All right. Yeah, I'm just, so, I just got a mouth going like this. So I don't feel any words. Sounds any, right. No sound. Oh, this thing is, uh, this thing is taking a turn here right at the very no, end. No, 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 you're um, good. You're good. <laughs> we, uh, we have tokens, and uh, if you wouldn't mind, would you help us choose our categories for next week? Okay. No problem. Okay, that sounds great. Well, that's it for the interview portion. Up next, we're going to draw some tokens. Baron Fick has done it again. So this month, they are kicking off their new Kickstarter campaign for their, their latest tool for thinkers. They are releasing their minimal backpack, their messenger bag, and their tote bag. It is the, the world that they're already amazing notebooks and pens can now live in. So they've, they've taken, uh, you know, these common pieces. Like I think most of us, you know, use a backpack or a messenger bag and they've just honestly just rethought them from the ground up in a similar way to their notebooks and pens where they employ 
you know, the minds of hundreds of people, find out what they love, what they use, and then uh, iterate on that. They have talked to people all throughout the community. They've taken that feedback. They've melded that with their quality construction and, and their just, just love for making a good product. And they've, they've produced from the ground up these amazing new pieces. So the backpack, uh, much like the notebooks, is lay flat. It actually unzips completely. Uh, it has some hidden pockets. It has these, this is probably my favorite part. It has these side pockets where while it's still on your shoulder, you can just swivel it, swivel it around and you can access a side pocket to, to you know, put your phone in or your wallet, keys, things like that. Um, they all will hold uh, up to a 15-inch laptop. Uh, they also have the, uh, the, the messenger bag. Again, it's, it's the same type of construction, the cotton strap, their, their canvas bags. Uh, it will also hold a laptop. It has some hidden pockets, so you can, uh, you know, kind of store things away. And then finally, the tote bag. And they've they've kind of changed the shape from the traditional tote bag because they want you to be able to hold a lot of stuff, but in the smallest design possible, something that's still manageable. Um, and again, same quality construction, cotton straps, canvas material, uh, really nice, high-quality hardware. So these pieces are all in the Kickstarter campaign. You can get them now. They do have early bird specials. You'll want to jump on those. And in addition to that, they have an exclusive product you can only get if you back the Kickstarter campaign, and that is the light bulb Squire. So they have items, they have uh, bundles available, they have the early bird specials. Jump on now, pick yours up, go to mofonepodcast.com forward slash bag to get yours today. Every week we draw tokens to find out exactly what we're going to be talking about the next week, and that's what gives us the categories we then have to pick our topics off of. So I've got these three tokens. They're very real, very physical, tangible things. I feel like I have to say that now because most times we meet people in, in real life and they're like, oh, they're real. Um, they are very real. So I'm, sh I'm uh, shuffling them up. I've got them face down. Go ahead and give me a number between one and three and you'll be picking for Luke. I pick number two. Number two for Luke. Art and design, my friend. All right. All right. And then I've got one and two left. Um, go ahead and pick one between one and two for Patrick. One. That's number you one. Boys and games. That means I have TV and film. Congratulations. Next, um, up. Nice. Um, again, uh, Paul, thanks for, for joining us. I, we've barely scratched the surface, uh, in, into what you do and to, to, to how you do it. I, I don't understand. I've been, I'm just enamored by the work that you put out there. Um, so we could talk for an entire day and, and I don't think I'd get all my questions out, but, um, that just means we'll have to have you back at some point. Um, but for now, you can find show notes and links to all the stuff we talked about in this episode. Just go to mofonepodcast.com. You can also find an archive there with all sorts of other incredibly talented artists um, in there as well. So just go to mofonepodcast.com slash archive. That yeah. sounds right. That's it. Yeah. Uh, and then you can join the community. Go to mofonepodcast.com slash slack. There's about 200 artists, entrepreneurs, doers, thinkers, creatives in that community who talk day in and day out, share ideas, share work. It's a great, great place to be. And they're from all over the country. So or they're from all over the world. So like when, uh, when people start going to bed, then a whole new group of people show up and start talking. So it's a really great opportunity um, to have uh, community when you're a designer and you're just in your own office, or your own studio day in and day out. There's a, there's a ton of people in there. So join the conversation on Slack. Um, and then while you're there, um, go to uh, iTunes 
Head over to iTunes and subscribe. When you do that, we go twice a week, uh, two episodes a week, and we come straight to your listening device, um, right to your ear hole, right? Yep. That's right. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you can listen on any AirPod. Um, and that's uh, – it's it's super simple. Then once you do that, you can rate and review. When you do that, it helps us a ton. It doesn't cost you any money. It costs you very little time, um, but it helps us tremendously. Um, so go to iTunes and do that right now if you're not already subscribed. And finally, you can, sub, uh, you can support the show financially as well. Just go to Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash podcast. You can become a patron for as little as $1. $5 gets you the blooper level, which every month you get um, just uh, a smattering of ridiculousness. This past <laughs> month was is pretty fun. Um, it's just amazing how much we can mess up after doing this for three years. But we still continue to put out blooper content. Congratulations, everybody. We're idiots. Um, but you can get that <laughs> and so much more. Just go to patreon.com slash podcast. But for now let's remind everybody what our social media is uh m of one podcast on instagram twitter and facebook and then my personal one is andrew sale with threes instead of e's patrick you have one the great pads b that's with two a's and, and luke, luke gall on instagram and twitter and remind everybody what your social media is again paul at paul shipper at paul shipper spelled exactly the way you'd think that it would be <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> We're going to get out of here. I'm Andrew. I'm Patrick. I'm Luke. And I'm Paul. Peace out. Bye. Hold on to your butts. Cheerio, good old buddies, you know. Yeah. Let's go out with something really hot for these folks. A big hit out of 77. A Star Wars. Nothing but Star Wars. Give me the Star Wars. Don't let them in. about that nutty Star Wars bar? Can you forget all the creatures in there? And hey, Darth Vader in that black and evil mask, did he scare you as much as he scared me? Ah! Star Wars! Don't scare it, Star Wars! My seventh winner up here, Star